Hey, everybody. This is uh, the Tell Me About Your Tech Job podcast and the iTech 350 Summer 2023 class. Uh, today is Wednesday, and it is July 12th. And uh, today we have um, an example of, of what I always talk about, a, a very generous with their time and experience and knowledge Saluki alumni. Um, I, I'm constantly telling everybody, you know, just these these anecdotes about how I meet Salukis. And when I ask Salukis um, if they want to talk to the class or, you know, just little things like that, they're always willing. Um, so you you and I were just talking about how it was a cool thing to be uh, a part of the Saluki community. And so I guess I better say this is Jim and we'll let you introduce yourself formally. Um, but um, Jim, this is this is real fun. I actually looked it up. Um, it was March 2022, and we met because I was teaching a class, and and I saw you and, and uh, your wife, and I don't remember was her name Mary, uh, Megan, yep. Megan. Okay, uh, and and you guys were walking down the hallway outside the the IST formerly EST classrooms, and uh, just said hello, and ended up um, kind of figuring out that you were an EST alum and uh, what you did in your career and I hit you up to talk to some a class and 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 that's where we're kind of at today um neat how how that happened uh, I appreciate you taking the time um, to talk to us today about what you've done um, because it's some some really neat stuff um, in the the medical uh, field and we're we're interested to hear about that but um, why don't you go ahead and please introduce yourself and tell us what you like to do for fun? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me, Tom, and the opportunity to to be on your uh, on your podcast here. Uh, yeah. So as you've said, a 2003 graduate uh, of SIU Carbondale from the EST program, and uh, and yeah, you go, you I, prefer to go by Jim, right? I prefer to go by Jim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's a funny story. You brought that up, right? So my uh, my wife's family is actually originally from Carbondale. So there's a long history there. Uh, my mother-in-law grew up there. Um, so, you know, even after graduation, we would go back and visit family, you know, quite often. Um, that visit back in uh, March or whatever you were talking about was, was really a, a spring break trip to, to bring our kids to, to the area. And we did some uh, hiking in the Garden of the Gods and, and, you know, around Shawnee National Forest there by a giant city and, and did all a bunch of stuff. And I just had the time and opportunity to say, you know what, I gotta go walk the halls, right? And uh, and we and we ran into each other and, and got to meet and uh, you know uh, hopefully we continue our, our relationship. So it's it's Definitely. great to have you on and, and talk about you know uh, my experiences and my career and, and what SIU brought to me as well. Um, you mentioned what I do for hobbies, uh, not too much, more family stuff. A lot of I hear you. Things, uh, you know projects around the house. Uh, I do like classic antique cars. I don't have any, oh. but I love going to car shows. So uh, that's kind of keeps me busy between, uh, you know, family vacations and family things and, uh, and and doing things around the house. And and I am in the middle of, of that family vacation, family stuff right now. Um, I got a son who uh, really, really likes Corvettes. So we try to hit up all the local car, car shows when they happen. And and uh, yeah, the, the kids and the family, they take a, they take a lot of time, sometimes don't leave you with much time for hobbies, but, uh, so I, I can relate, but, um, but for sure, uh, they just had the street machine nationals, um, a couple weeks back down here at DuCoin, 
Um, and we were we were booked up, but we did see them driving around. They still somewhat kind of show up in, in town in Carbondale. Um, but that's that's a neat thing that they've restored and are starting to do again back down here. Very um, neat, very neat. You know, and I'm very lucky, right? I, uh, you know, won't sure get into it, but I, I've worked from home since 2013, right? So um, even though it's, you know, it can be very demanding at times, I have some flexibility. So it's great to be able to um, have some flexibility to take the kids to school or pick them up from school or, or do an activity, you know, uh, whatever they're into, you know, to be able to, to join them in that or, or my son's in Cub Scouts and, you know, I've been uh, been asked to be an assistant leader. So I'm able to go to all the Cub Scout events. And uh, it's been a real, a real joy to be part of, uh, you know, seeing them grow up as well. So, you know, expand their skill set. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's a hundred percent with you there. I, I, I coached my daughter's um, Carbondale league softball team this year and we lost every single game, but it was an interesting experience. Um, but we'll move on. I, I probably mentioned on here the 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 zero in thirty uh, season or whatever it was that we had. Um, but let's talk. Let's talk about uh, you. You grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, and I see that you had a first job doing some tech work. Um, tell us about. I mean, you you say you've always been interested in technology. Um, maybe tell us. You know, what was available in terms of classes um, when you were in school, in high school? Did you have many opportunities to to do tech um, exploration? And then tell us about that first job working for uh, Best Buy. Yeah, yeah. So as you said, I grew up in the suburbs, western suburbs of Chicago. I, I like our city in the background there. Got a nice picture of the Chicago skyline. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've always been in technology. Uh, I was more of the person who just needed to take things apart, right? Um, take things apart, learn how they worked. Uh, you know, soldered something together to make it to, to fix it and, and really didn't have an opportunity um, until kind of high school to to really zoom in on, on technology and knew that that's kind of what I wanted to focus on, you know, after high school. It was a, a class called Principles of Technology, and they would focus on different, um, you know, different aspects of, of tech, right? So electrical, pneumatics, uh, you know, and, and so on. And, and it kind of dived into different pieces of that. And that's what really sparked my interest, you know, to say, I think I want to explore something in the technology field after high school. And then just like you mentioned, uh, my first, you know, job was with Best Buy as uh, a mobile uh, car stereo security installer. Um, so I got my, my feet wet pretty, pretty good with, uh, you know, DC electronics and learning how to install car stereos and speakers and subwoofers and amplifiers and, you know, remote start systems were very popular back then and security systems. And, and again, I got to take, you know, my, my interest and actually, you know, do something, you know, for, for uh, obviously a job and, and, uh, and, and it was nice to be hands-on, right. To see your product after you installed it, the customer was happy, right. That, that new car stereo was put in or that security system was put in and, and that really, again, zoomed in to say, you know, I really want to do something in technology. Um, you know, after that, I went to a community college in the, in the area called College of DuPage. Mm -hmm. and I, One of the, I think that's the biggest college. in the state. It, it is. It's a great, outstanding school. I can't talk anything more, you know, great about it. Uh, the Belushi's went there, you know, Jim and John Belushi. Um, but great school. And, you know, I did more gen ed stuff there, right, knowing that I was going to uh, move on. But I did take a couple electronics courses. And again, you know, 
just going through those courses really ensured me that uh, I definitely wanted to do something in the, in the electronics technology field. So side question, you were installing audio systems. So I imagine you probably had a cool one in your first car. So I did. That was actually the first one I put in. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I used to I used to actually cut lawns before that as as you know a job for money and uh, we did pretty well. We were you know, actually a friend of mine. We were cutting about 30, 40 lawns a week. Wow. Um, during high school, before the Best Buy years, and uh, you know was able to save a lot of money. Bought a car. Uh, knew that I wanted a you know a sound system in that vehicle and uh, saved of course and was able to put in a, a nice stereo system, uh, you know, in a, in a small Ford pickup, uh, it was a Ford Ranger pickup. So, um, you know, and actually that's what sold the interview uh, during Best Buy. Uh, you know, the, the, the manager of the installation team said, have you ever installed a car stereo before? You, you got to imagine I was uh, 17 years old, right? Going in to, to get that job. And, and I said, I did, I did mine. And, and he said, well, do, you know, do you mind if I take a look at it? I'm sure he's seen others that are not installed properly. He was very impressed and, and gave me the, uh, the opportunity to, uh, to, to try the job out, right? And, and it, it was a very, a very good job. Uh, worked there for about three or four years. Uh, even actually my first year at SAU, I kind of continued to work that during uh, holiday seasons and summer um, and uh, got a, a lot of really great experiences with, uh, you know, with, with that position, you know, and, and again, you know, sound systems and DC electronics and capacitors and amplifiers and all sorts of stuff like that. Relays. And that's, that's something I've, I've heard before uh, many times is that, um, you know, these, the, the folks who are there are doing your interviews when you're applying for a job, they like to hear about what you've done personally. Maybe, you know, it's not always necessarily about having, you know, formal, um, employed experience, because when you're first starting out, like a lot of students in, in this class um, are, you may not have much you know, relevant experience, but, but, but working at home and, 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 you know, installing your own car stereo, for example, that's what they want to see. You've got an interest, you've done it yourself. And, and, and that, that can, you know, that can, that can be the, uh, the deciding factor maybe in, in some cases. So that's, that's pretty neat. You're, you're right. And, you know, Tommy, you bring up a great point too, right? Because it, it doesn't even just prove to that person that you could handle the technology piece, but you've taken your time, you've done it well, right? You, you have a work ethic that you want a quality, you know, job done, right? And, and that goes a long way in any position that you're seeking, no matter what level, um, you know, making sure that uh, your work ethic is, is displayed, right? And someone could see that you worked hard and you want a good quality output. And especially in something like, like, you know, you're, you were installing things for customers. And so that attention to detail, making sure that it looks nice and it works right. You know, that's, that's what Best Buy is, you know, hoping to uh, ensure their customers get. So, you know, good, good points. And, and some of that's the soft skills. Um, we talk a lot about, we hear a lot of people mention soft skills and, 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 you know, work ethic, attention to detail. Those are some that are, um, you know, that are, that are that are up there and help you get that that job. Um, so you went to college at DuPage, and how did you decide to come to SIU? It's an interesting story. Um, so if anyone's in the Chicagoland area, they, they probably heard of DeVry. 
So all along, I knew I wanted to, you know, uh, get a bachelor's degree. My, my thought was to go to DeVry after college at DuPage. Um, after about one year in, I started exploring, you know, the opportunities at DeVry. But of course, DeVry has their own program as well, right? So they're a private school. Um, they, they wanted, obviously, specific, you know, courses, you know, specific math courses, science courses, so on. And, and uh, it really wasn't gelling right. So I, I worked hard. I, I had great grades at COD my first year. I uh, didn't want to have to repeat those classes, right? So I, I kind of looked at opportunities. So I, I found out that um, if I if I graduated from COD, um, I could transfer to a state school much easier. So I explored all the state schools. Southern Illinois and Carbondale was the only school, the only program that had uh, what the EST program was then equivalent to DeVry's WET, Electronics Engineering Technology. Um, and actually a funny story too, when I explored that, I, I drove to Carbondale, had no idea where Carbondale even really kind of was, yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to see it. I wanted to see the campus. I got to meet with uh, a few of the instructors and it really built my confidence that that program was exactly uh, you know, what the WET program was. And, and after my years there was much better absolutely much better. Um, so that's when I made the decision to say, uh, I think I'm going to go uh, to Southern Illinois versus versus DeVry. And uh, I look back on it and that was uh, a really good decision. Tell us about, you know, the the, the EST program, Electronic Systems Technology, um, a program that was kind of a sister program to the IST. Right now, we are actually iTech, we've become information technology. Um, tell us what the EST program was like back when you went to school. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really good that the program was really developed with all of your basic electronic uh, development your first year, uh, even your first and second year. And then in your third year of the program, you specialize in different fields. So they had uh, at the time industrial electronics, um, networking, uh, medical electronics and one other one I can't think of right now, but uh, there were four different specializations. Um, actually, interesting enough, oh, it was RF technologies. Interesting enough, I actually focused on RF technologies and not, you know, uh, medical. Medical, uh, okay. But, I'm today, but uh, that's what interests me was, was the RF, you know, um, side of things, right? Wireless communication, you know, cell phone communication was very popular, you know, uh, back then. Um, you know, just this, the idea of wirelessly transmitting a signal and receiving it, you know, at a different end, you know, Wi-Fi, right? It was just very interesting to me. Um, and, and so it was a really good structured program that gave you those basic skills, but then really focused on those emphasis, like I said, your last year. Um, and I don't know if you still have it today, Tom, but there was a requirement to do an internship. And uh, it was challenging sometimes, right? To find a company or whatever willing to take you on as an intern, but that was also a very, very good experience. You know, um, I landed an internship at a company called Omron Automotive Electronics, okay. uh, St. Charles, Illinois. You might have heard of them through like their medical side. So Omron makes a lot of home medical electronic equipment. But what I didn't know until I was there was, uh, you know, they make a lot of automotive electronics. So like 90% of automotive relays are made by Omron, uh, wireless key fobs, uh, different control modules. Uh, so it was a great opportunity, again, to... Uh, emphasize, uh, you know, my electronic skills, put it to work. And uh, in that position too, it, it, you work with cars, which was my interest, uh, you know, and still is. So a uh, great opportunity, uh, but they didn't have any open positions. So I couldn't continue there um, and made a transition into the medical field after that. 
neat. And, and we're going to talk a lot about that. But um, so Omron, I, um, I, my experience with them, I, I, before, before teaching, I worked for um, Ison, which is an autom automotive manufacturer here. And I know they made a lot of, um, I remember hearing Omron for the PLCs and the engineers. Um, yes. Yep. Yep. Lots of Omron talk. Um, so we do not require the internship anymore. Um, we've got a senior project that's required, but we do still really, really enthusiastically recommend and encourage internships. And so we get tons of students who are doing internships, a few that are in this class that are doing summer internships. One guy, Tony, is a, actually an intern for um, the Macanda Township currently. So, um, and I know there's there's others in this class, but he's been somebody I've had the last year in person. So I remember him calling him out. Um, do you have any of your your old instructors or professors that you'd want to mention um, real quick in ESTs? Because I, I knew a bunch of them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and a lot of them, I think, have moved on, right? But, you know, um, William Davenport was yep. an amazing instructor at the time. Uh, you know, he, he pushed us hard as students. But as I look back, um, that's the push that I needed sometimes, right? And others needed. He knew you could, you knew your potential, and he wanted to make sure he was uh, pulling your full potential out of you. Uh, but uh, William Davenport was a was a you know great professor, friend. Um, I remember he actually called my parents once and and uh, kind of gave a, a highlight of some of the things I was doing. And my mom and dad still talk about that today. Awesome. You know, just that personal touch, right? Uh, uh, William Shoup or Bill Shoup was another one who retired, I think, during my time there, but uh, brought a lot of uh, a lot of experience, you know, into the classroom. Uh, Brian Carney, um, he used to lead like the medical electronics, um, you know, portion of it, the biomedical electronics. Uh, a great inspiration to you of just he, he he did a really really good job at tying the real world to us students, right? To try to prepare us to what we're going to see in, in the real world, right? And you know, uh, what companies you're looking for, what, you know, what jobs are out there and how we should be prepared for it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak, you know, better than, than anybody. Uh, our professors and instructors we had, everyone was uh, very knowledgeable, very eager to devote any time you needed to make sure you understood the concept. And, and Tom, I'm sure you do the exact same, you know, and I think that's what makes you know, SIU um, in this program special, you know, and it's it's like no other. Cool. Uh, so you you went to school and you kind of specialized in radio frequency, wireless stuff, but you end up getting this job for Ingalls Memorial Hospital and it's it's as a biomed technician. And tell us, you know, what was what was that like? You know, you had you had said you'd been working as an intern for Omron, and so kind of in this automotive niche, and then you can't, you know, there's not a, there's, sometimes there's just not a position open, you know, sometimes big companies, they have their head counts figured out a year ahead of time, and if there's not a person, you know, they just can't create one, um, so, so what was it like to you deciding, or, or having to, make, did you have to make a decision to kind of change to biomed, or was this kind of like just a golden opportunity, how did, how did that kind of work out? Yeah, yeah. So it's really interesting story too. I think so. You're you're right. In in 2003, when I graduated, there was um, you know my focus was like I said RF technologies, but there was a lot of reduction in like cell phone companies. So you know I kind of envisioned going back to the Chicago suburbs, 
We have Motorola in Schaumburg, Illinois. We had Lucent Technologies in Naperville. There were a lot of big companies, right, to have big opportunities. But unfortunately, just like you said, I mean, they were reducing staff. Uh, there were some reductions in that field. And, and, and just frankly, companies did not have any openings, right, to even apply for. Um, so, you know, I, I got nervous a little bit, right? I knew I wanted to uh, start work right away and put my skills to, to you know, to, uh, to work. Um, and uh, I actually called a friend of mine, right, a fellow SAU grad who focused in the medical electronics field. And I just said, hey, how, how are you doing? And he was actually from the Chicago area. And funny story, he actually works on our team now. But we'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, I said, uh, you know, you know, how are you enjoying it? And he said, I love it. It was the best thing I, I did to go into the medical electronics, you know, field. He landed a job as a clinical biomed at another local hospital in the Chicagoland area. So I said, uh, you know, this is something that I know um, I, I can learn. Um, you know, I know the basics of electronics, and uh, I started actually cold calling hospitals. Is actually how I uh, I got an opportunity for an interview. So. Uh, I kind of made a list of all the Chicagoland hospitals. I know I wanted to stay in the area. Started calling and say, hey, I'm a recent grad. And, um, you know, do you have any openings? And got an opportunity for an interview and, um, you know, was obviously granted the, the position. So a um, lot to learn in a very short period of time. I remember, I think, coming home after the interview and, and picking up a few books to uh, brush my skills up on, on the medical side of things. But uh, But they understood, too, that, you know, I was a recent grad and I wasn't going to have the the same, uh, you know, experience as their veteran, you know, uh, technician. Um, so a, a great opportunity. I mean, I, you know, had a few coworkers there that really took me under their wing and taught me a lot of things. Um, but in that opportunity too at Ingalls, uh, Tom, I was able to merge the RF portion as well as the medical. So, you know, there's a product out there in all hospitals called wireless uh, telemetry or, or cardiac wireless monitoring, and it's all RF based, right? So I really got the opportunity to focus on those products and I kind of merged and meshed those two together as well as networking, right? So, um, you know, all their patient monitors and everything was networked together. And of course it's expanded through the years, but I kind of meshed those two together. And, uh, you know, I look back and it's, uh, it was a great opportunity and a great decision I made uh, to kind of start the medical, medical side of things. That is, um... That's really, really very interesting because I think people don't necessarily realize the amount of, you know, RF that is being sent and received throughout a hospital. I mean, tons of stuff. Um, and, and it's, it's uh, you know, a lot of the times us in IT, we think Wi-Fi and that's what we think of. We think Wi-Fi, 802.11 something or another. But there's more to Wi-Fi than that. Wi-Fi has a, a niche in it. I mean, it's got a, a, a pretty good lock on the, you know, giving bandwidth to your laptops and things like that. But to do cardiac telemetry, that may not be the right solution. Um, and, and I always mention to people that if you, you know, if you want to be successful long-term, do like what you did, where you kind of find like this, this specialization that you can focus and be, you know, really, really good at. And so like wireless networking for hospitals, that's, that's kind of what you've spent your career doing and, and now leading. Um, and I want to hear a lot more about that, but, but really quickly, tell us what the day-to-day -day of a biomed tech looks like. Yeah. So, okay, sure. Um, so they have a, two different functions, right? In the, in the hospital environment, 
a biomed technician or clinical engineering department, one and the same. They take care of all the medical, medical electronic gear within a facility, right? There's different requirements that they have to do preventative maintenance on certain pieces of equipment. So, you know, a ventilator will have a different, um, you know, routine preventative maintenance that's required every three months versus something that might be once a year. So there's, if you think about it, the team at the, you know, at the healthcare facility has to go through all those devices and do a preventative maintenance on every single device. And it could be, you know, pretty simple to do a test out procedure, or it could be replacing different parts or, you know, calibrations, as well as all of your, um, you know, demand service or your repairs, right? Uh, a clinician calls to the department, I have this problem, uh, I need it resolved, right? And it, again, it could be a device uh, issue, or it could be a system-wide issue, right? A networking issue or data transmission or integration issue or wireless issue that you have to solve uh, together, sometimes with different departments as well, right? Like with your IT department um, to resolve that for the, the clinical user. And so, so when we, and, and there's so many different things like we mentioned. I mean, even as simple as like a an exam table may have to have some sort of a checkup every year, but but it's those things like the ventilator that you want to have those critical moving, you know, life-saving parts done, whether they need it or not every three months, right? Because you don't want, you know, your scrub nurse to be calling IT when you're on the table, you know, opened up and, and hooked to a ventilator saying, hey, we can, you know, something's not working with this thing. Um, and, and so that routine, I mean, we've all, you know, pushed off our oil change an extra thousand miles over the recommendations, but you don't want that happening on your ventilator, you know, you, you in, in the operating have, room. Right. You can't have that happen. And I think that's, what's the nice, you know, the rewarding thing about the medical field is you do have to think that you know, these are, these are real people. These are patients. These could be your loved ones, right? Your, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your friend, and you have to follow those strict, you know, regulated guidelines, right? Um, you know, that uh, ensures that that device is going to work to, uh, you know, to its performance, right, and perform when it needs to perform. Um, I'll, I'll give you another quick example. You know, I, um, there's opportunities as a biomedical clinical engineer that you had to go into a live uh, operating room, right? If an anesthesia machine had an issue or that physiological heart monitor that's monitoring those patients' parameters, you know, sometimes you had to go into that environment where, a technician's not very comfortable. I was not comfortable at all, right? But but you learn. You learn to, uh, you know, to how to how to be in that situation. What to do. What not to do. Right? How to not interfere in the clinical or the, you know, the medical side of things. Right? Let that surgeon focus what he's doing and fix what you need to fix at hand. And 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 basically get into that environment and get out as fast as you can. Right? Fix it as fast as you can. Um, and, and, you know, with all the preventative maintenance, so usually those, those type of issues are very limited, right? And that's what we want. We, yeah. want the, we want those clinicians and those doctors and nurses to focus on the patient, not on their equipment. Their equipment has to work. Good point. And, and my father was an anesthetist for many years. So um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, that, that he had some experiences uh, with, with the medical, the biomed people helping making sure that his stuff and his job performed smoothly. So... Um, okay, so you had three years or so in the hospital clinic, clinical environment, and then you 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 moved to a a company that we've all heard of, but maybe we don't associate as much as healthcare if we're not within that realm. And you've been there for what seventeen years now. Tell us about 
um, your start at GE um, and maybe what GE does that we don't think of and then and then kind of just talk us, I guess, from from your your first role as a field service engineer. Yeah, yeah. So I've uh, been with GE Healthcare ever since, like you said, going on 17 years. Um, you know, at the time in Ingalls, you know, I knew that uh, I wanted to expand, you know, um, you know, outside of just the, the hospital environment. And again, I had that focus on RF technologies, right? I had a really big interest in networking, wireless networking, uh, wireless telemetry, and I had the opportunity to work on, on some of those systems. Um, we did have GE Healthcare uh, as those systems in, at Ingalls Hospital. Um, so I got to meet, you know, a lot of the field service engineers that would come in to support it. So if the local in-house biomed group couldn't fix something, obviously we would call the vendor for support. Or, or if things were under, you know, a service agreement or a warranty, we would call the vendor. So got to develop some good relationships there. And, um, you know, through a discussion, um, you know, found out that they had an opportunity or an opening for, for a field service engineer. Um, I, I really thought hard about it because I, I knew that uh, if you were in that position, you're kind of alone, right? You're the, the sole per technician representing the company and, and, uh, and fixing some of the more advanced uh, problems, right? Um, but I, I decided to take the opportunity. It was a great opportunity. I'm so glad I took it. And, uh, and then I, I found out that even though you were the only one, you know, maybe on site fixing a problem, you are not the only one, right? You had a whole team of coworkers that are in the field. You had a whole team of tech support engineers of, you know, um, level three, level four engineers that you could go to, to you know, to support you. And uh, it, was a, it was a great opportunity, again, to, to focus, like you said, focus on a product or on a specific modality or product line um, and give me a lot of good experience. And then of course it broadened my horizons because I, I now was not limited to one hospital, right? I was servicing um, all of the you know, Chicagoland hospitals. So about a three hour radius from Chicago. So, you know, uh, Peoria to Wisconsin border to a little bit in Indiana, like the Valparaiso area. And then we only went as far south as about Champaign. But, uh, but there's a lot of healthcare facilities in that area, right? A lot of hospitals. Yeah. So on the road a lot, um, you know, fixing all different sorts of problems. That was uh, more of a demand service. So fix a, a person who's fixing issues. And then it kind of moved into an installation role. So we kind of had uh, the same team that would do and support more of our new installations. So when a healthcare or, or hospital you know, decides to purchase, uh, you know, new physiological patient monitors or a new wireless heart monitoring system, you know, our team would go in there and physically install it in the hospital facility. And so that was a great, you know, great shift to, was more project-based versus uh, on-the-go demand service, right? Um, but everything kind of built out that experience level up to obviously to where I am today, right? Um, and um, the field service technician position was, was a great, a great transition into what I'm doing today. And I have to look back every step of the way, you know, again, brought you a skill set that, that makes you who you are today, right? You, you can never, uh, you can never, you know, get as well-rounded as, as you as you can today without going through those experiences. Right. And so GE, when you're talking about um, their role in healthcare today, what I mean, just just tell us real quick, what all do they make? And and yeah. I think, well, I think yeah. people will be surprised. 
Absolutely. So as you guys know, General Electric, huge company. They are into more things that I ever knew about. And, Trans- and I, I immediately, for some reason, I think locomotives. Yeah, so they make locomotives. They make <laughs> wind farms, right? Uh, you know, yeah. uh, windmills. Um, they're into appliances, obviously, right? You, you've all heard of that. But they do have a really big footprint um, in the healthcare uh, environment. So GE Healthcare itself, you know, they they make different uh, products like our MRI machines and CT machines and X-ray machines to ultrasound to uh, what what I work into is monitoring solutions. So physiological, you know, heart monitors. Um, they make a variety of data integrations or data analytics uh, to electronic medical record systems. Um, it goes on and on. Diagnostic cardiology systems to do EKGs. Um, they do a, a database to, to be able to pull, you know, your previous EKGs for a cardiologist to read and, and, and see if there's something going on, you know, um, you know, obviously with your heart. The, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but we are, you know, number one, number two in patient monitoring. Um, so Philips Healthcare is probably our main competitor um, throughout uh, the U.S., um, so huge footprint within the, within hospitals, uh, great company to work for. And, uh, you know, again, I've, uh, 17 years and keep going. So. <clears throat> and, and so you, you had this role as a field service engineer. Um, and, and one thing I think, um, we, we have this book, it's called surviving it. That's our, uh, our textbook. And, and they mentioned about how sometimes in one role you meet people, that will be their, you know, your your entry into another role. And you talk about that meeting these techs who would come around when you were at the hospital and then you eventually becoming one of these techs. That's that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And and then your your second role with GE, you really get um a different opportunity where, you know, instead of like you're saying, instead of responding to like break fix type things, um, you're you're actually building stuff and you're you're in the design process. Um, tell us about that um, network design engineer. What's maybe the the difference? Um, I mean, what what is what? Why if 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 a customer, if a hospital wants to purchase a a suite of cardiology monitoring stuff, why do they have GE Healthcare do the design when they've got a staff of their own IT people? What's the what's the benefit of of trusting GE with that? Yeah, no, it's a great point, right? So you're right. I, I focus on installations and then moved into a network design position where as an ins- a field installer, um, they, they would be given what was called, and we still do today, an installation design package. And this is really the infrastructure that has to go in to support all those patient monitors, right? Or the wireless telemetry system. There has to be antennas. There has to be, you know, um, servers to support that and so on, right? So all the whole infrastructure, and, and, and you're right, we do have different solutions where we can supply that infrastructure, the hospital can supply that infrastructure, but that network has to be treated as a medical network, right? And actually there's a lot of FDA classifications that that, that network has to support real-time patient alarming. And, and it's, it's brought up to a whole different scrutiny than it would be a normal IT system that would support email traffic, let's, let's call it, right? So um, there is opportunities for our customers to, to put in that infrastructure themselves. They do have to obviously you know, follow the rules and regulations and make sure that that system is operating to all the specifications, or we as a company, as a vendor can do that for them. So a lot of our customers do choose 
to put in a segregated network that just supports the medical physiological monitors, the patient monitors, separate than their normal IT systems. And, and one other reason too is any time of maintenance that has to be done, you know, has to be obviously done during a downtime window. There's, there's no great timing to bring a real-time patient monitoring alarming system down, right? There's, there has to be a backup plan at all times. So it's a whole different mindset when you go to service these, these networks or this infrastructure. Um, and I know a lot of IT departments have all that built up, you know, as far as disaster recovery and all that, but it's a different mindset. And frankly, some, some customers just don't want to take that risk, right? They want to transfer that risk on to the vendor to, to better support that, that infrastructure that supports their products. So we can picture maybe like a, a, a big city hospital with an, you know, a cardiac ICU ward with 20 beds, right? And, and you can't, you know, when you've got 20 people who are in some, you know, pretty grave conditions, sometimes you can't, you know, you can't just say, hey, guys, uh, we're not going to monitor you for four and a half minutes while this system reboots, right? That's not going to fly. So right. the challenge, um, you know, and, 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 and unexpected challenges, you know, routine downtime is one thing, but you know, problems that are created by maybe, you know, just general um, network design issues that maybe the customers maybe didn't account for um, because the traffic and the characteristics of what you guys do with in your systems may be different than, like you said, like an email, you know, that, um, that, and, and that's a, that's a, that's a, an interesting um, thing that you said that the customers may want to transfer that risk. Um, and, and that's something we cover in, you know, this risk transference and risk acceptance and avoidance and, and, and later uh, security classes. Um, but the installation is something, you know, of network hardware that maybe we don't necessarily always consider with, uh, in terms of, you know, risk. Um, so, so yeah, going with the pros, you got, you guys, you, you make the systems, you support the systems, why not trust you to install them? And, and get kind of the optimal, most reliable performance. Um, what are maybe some of the challenges uh, of coming into a hospital that says, hey, I wanna get all this brand new GE physiological heart monitoring, monitoring equipment. Um, what are the challenges of, of building that out in a, in a hospital that's got, you know, that maybe is a 70 years old and, and has, um, an existing IT infrastructure and their own wireless and that type of stuff. What, what are some of the challenges you've faced with when designing and, 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 and managing your teams who work with that? Yeah, I mean, so you know, a couple of different challenges. And you're right, the clinical workflow too is really shifting to, you know, there's always going to be a nurse or a care provider at the bedside, but it's really shifting to more remote monitoring, right? So there's a central station, maybe locally at a nurse station, but now they're even moving to an offsite location that uh, a technician is monitoring multiple patients at multiple facilities. So it's really reliant on that network traffic, right? That, that direct link to those facilities. And so you're right, some of the challenges are um, just infrastructure related, right? Uh, you know, physical cable pulling and so on. We have low voltage contractors that we work with. Um, so that could be challenges, right? Just the age of the building, like you said. Um, real quick, uh, low voltage. That's something that uh, maybe people haven't been familiar with that term. What do you mean by low voltage? 
Yeah, I think the technical term is anything under 220 volts, right? But what I'm talking about is more data, right? Yeah. So CAT6 drops, fiber optic uh, infrastructure. Um, some of our components still use coax cable, so coaxial cable. But uh, low voltage, I believe, is under 220 volts is what they consider LV or low voltage. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and so those, those challenges uh, are there. Rack space, uh, you know, IT um, com closet space is always uh, a fight, right, of who owns that space, uh, getting rack space for equipment, uh, you know, sharing that. Um, but then there's also, you know, more challenges we're getting into. And you mentioned security. So security, right? Um, security in conforming to our company's security protocol, as well as every customer that we have, secure, you know, security protocol, and they could be a little bit different at times. So how do we how do we merge together? We come to a commonality. We figure out what we need to do together to to work and and meet all the security concerns we have. Um, a lot of our products do have remote access that we could you know have remote engineers that help support that product um, in the event of you know maintenance or troubleshooting event. So, so that's uh, sometimes challenging to, again, make sure that we're conforming to all the security concerns, you know, both at our, our company as well as the customer. You are a CCNP, which I put in, you know, I, I let the students know um, that ahead of time. And, and that's um, a very, very respected um, certification. And I had a CCNA, I think about 2012, and that was one of the more difficult certs that I ever got. Um, CCNP, tell us a little bit about getting that certification, which is Cisco Certified Network Professional. Tell us you know, what's involved in that and how much experience typically is uh, necessary for that, that, that certification. Yeah, it was a good experience. So I, as I transferred to this network design and integration team, which is what I work with today, the team I work with, uh, we wanted to make sure that we differentiated our folks, right? And make sure we developed the skill set. <clears throat> so we, we put everyone through, including myself, uh, a Cisco certification track. Uh, I did start with CCNA, and you're right, that was actually one of the tougher classes and in, 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 uh, exams to pass, just because it was very broad. Mm -hmm. uh, but then down to uh, CCNP, like you said. So uh, that device of uh, switching and routing and troubleshooting it was actually broken up in three different sections. And I actually just renewed my, my CCNP. Um, and it, it, it took a lot of uh, time to devote to, uh, to learning the, the, uh, the curriculum. Um, obviously, it's Cisco specific, but Cisco is the leading, uh, you know, switch manufacturer, routing manufacturer. Uh, we primarily use Cisco gear. Um, so even though it was very specific to Cisco sometimes, it, it, it did bring a lot of knowledge base to be able to better support, you know, our systems as well as communicate with our customers that are at that same level of experience and certification um, to explain what we're trying to accomplish, right? Whether it's, um, you know, hardwired networking or wireless networking or routing protocols or security concerns, um, you know, really, really helps in that matter. And as well, kind of put you on that same level, like I said. So our whole team of network design engineers are all Cisco certified um, from the bottom level all the way up. So. You know, we definitely promote, uh, you know, uh, taking the time and, and actually going through some certification tracks with Cisco and, and, and developing everyone's skill set. And, and that certification has to be something that, that gives a little, maybe a lot of peace of mind to your customers when they're saying, yeah, we're going to trust, you know, we're going to trust Jim and his team to, to do the install of the infrastructure for this new, you know, medical 
product because look, they've got the credentials to back up that they you know know what they're talking about. Um, I have, I don't think I've ever um, lost track of time so much, Jim. Uh, this has gone so quick. Um, let's talk about what you're doing today before we run out of the hour. <laughs> sure, sure, no problem, Tom. Yeah, so today I, I still work with the team of network design engineers. I actually got the opportunity two years ago to to lead the team. Um, so I actually manage uh, uh, two teams, a network design and then a data integration team. Um, the data integration team helps our customers take that medical data off the patient monitor and inject it into electronic medical record system. Um, so we have a product called a CureScape Gateway that's kind of an in-between uh, HL7 engine that uses Cloverleaf. Um, so it's a, a, a two great teams, 22 people, I cover one of the busiest regions that we have, uh, about uh, 15, 16 different states, kind of the southern part of the country. Um, and we support all new projects, right? So uh, any new project being installed at a, at a hospital facility, um, you know, we're supporting with the network design package, which comprises of, uh, you know, locations of all your switchgear, routing, um, how to connect every single port. Everything is documented from every single port on a network switch, every routing protocol, um, router scripts, we build all the scripts and switch scripts for our field you know, installers. Uh, we, we deliver this installation design package to the customer. So they have it for their um, life of the system that our field service engineers use that documentation to support it, obviously through its life cycle. And even our sales reps use it for new expansions, right? To determine what we need to, to, to expand a particular area. Um, and then the data integration team, what a great team. Like I said, they work, you know, to, to integrate all those, uh, you know, parameters that we get off the heart monitors to electronic medical records uh, systems. There's a lot of variety. There's Epic, there's Cerner, Meditech, and they all have their own nuances, right, that we have to adapt our, our data into their systems. So a lot of collaboration with uh, <clears throat> the hospital's informatics team, a lot of testing and validation to make sure that everything is flowing over correctly. So um, yeah, great team, great opportunity um, that I have. And uh, um, what other questions do you have, Tom? What, what is, um, tell us what HL7 is real quick. Uh, healthcare level seven, it's just a, uh, a um, standard um, language that uh, a lot of the uh, healthcare systems and healthcare vendors use to all make sure we're on the same uh, language. But then we still have to adapt different things depending on how they're going to be injected in the EMR system. Um, so, you know, different uh, parameters as far as, uh, you know, height and weight and patient demographics and so on. You know, um, their units of measure can be different and so on. We have to convert all that over. <clears throat> Tell us, this is a question I wrote down ahead of time and I want to make sure we cover. What has healthcare technology, how has it changed? And I know this is going to be a tremendous, you know, it could be a tremendously long answer, but in your, in your, your 16, 17 years, maybe longer, 20, closer to 20 years in healthcare um, technology, what has it been like? Um, Cause I've seen it explode, you know, being on the periphery a little bit, but, but you being in the, in the trenches, tell us a little bit. It, it has exploded a lot. And, and really, I think the, the biggest change we've seen 
is in a, in a hospital, everything was very departmentalized, right? ICU operated alone, ED operated alone, or emergency room, right? The ORs operated alone. And, and now that's not the case. Everything is integrated, right? Everything from the local facility to all, like I said, your electronic medical records, right? Everything has to be integrated. And that data is so important, right? That affects billing, that affects, you know, different charting, um, that affects even how, uh, the healthcare or the healthcare hospital is staffed, right? So uh, hospitals are moving to, like I said, more of a remote monitoring. So for our like wireless cardiac patients, you know, they would, you know, kind of gradually they were monitoring just in that unit. Then they were monitoring all those patients from one room in, in the hospital itself. Now we're, we're actually taking them off the facility and, and you know, pretty much putting them into a, a, a corporate setting, for instance, right? and monitoring all those patients from multiple hospitals, right? And setting up these viewing stations that they could uh, monitor all those patients from one location. But of course, from a technology point of view, we have to then ensure that that real live medical alarming data is being transferred through a WAN, right? To that one facility um, to be able to monitor those patients. Another thing we're seeing too is virtualization, right? I know. The healthcare environment has always been a little bit behind, I think, you know, uh, uh, other segments, um, but uh, virtualization is huge, right? Our customers want it. Um, every, you know, every data center is a VM environment. So we're moving to a lot of our products now, instead of it being on a discrete hardware, it's, it can be put into a VM environment, VMware, um, and we support that. And we have to then integrate our possible segregated network into that environment, which that could be challenging as well, right? How do we integrate it into their environment, still stay isolated, still meet all this, the required specs? Um, and, uh, you know, we have no problem doing it, but, it, you know, there could be some challenges there. And that's why you've all got these, these certifications, because those, those networks, when you've got VLANs and you've got virtual switches, that can get complex. And you talked about your, you know, the kind of meticulous, um, diagramming and planning that you guys do. And that's obviously got to be critically important to a successful install. And then, like you said, follow up with additional, you know, salespeople as giving, giving new solutions and technologies for the, the hospital to help better take care of their, their patients, which is ultimately, you know, the goal, um, you know, and the reason GE Healthcare is in, is in business and, and does so well, because you guys obviously are doing a good job. Thank you. Thank you. Very detailed work, right? I mean, everything has to be surveyed on site, you know, the, the detailed plan put together um, as, as far as, uh, you know, antenna locations that would matter, right? Depending on coverage area. So everything is about details and making sure that every I is dotted and T is crossed, right? So that we put that infrastructure in and it's going to function properly. We do a full test out procedure, of course, and it's, it's ready for patient use, you know, and then, of course, that documentation after the installation phase is there for the life cycle of that system, right? To be able to troubleshoot easily, identify problems quickly, resolve them quickly. Um, you know, and, and one thing, too, that we've been seeing is, you know, we have, I would say, different customers, right? We have our clinical staff at a healthcare facility. We have our IT staff. We have our biomedical staff. They're all our customers. And sometimes we have to bring that whole team together with us as the vendor and really work together, you know, because um, our systems cross those lines every day, right? It's not uh, one particular 
you know, team that we have to work with. We have to meet everybody's needs. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. And I can, I can picture these groups, you know, the biomed people who are over in this wing of the, the facility and then the IT people who are over here and they may never talk except for maybe once a month or once a year when they meet for, you know, a, a, a team meeting or departmental meeting or something. Um, that's pretty neat. I, I want to be very respectful of your time. So I have five questions that are fun, kind of end of the, the episode questions for you. Um, sure. If you're ready. All right. Ready. Go for what, it. What's your favorite kind of food, cuisine, restaurant, anything, you know, you want to throw back to anything from Carbondale days or what you Oh, got? Quattro's pizza. Let's okay. just go with that. Quattro's pizza. Still there, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. New owners this year, but um, it's still okay. the same great pizza. Okay. Good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> Are there any books, movies, TV shows, podcasts that you enjoy recently or you want to recommend technology or otherwise? You know, I, I'm, yeah, not that I could think of. Um, you know, one thing that, uh, that I've been doing and maybe I could bring out to the students is LinkedIn Learning. Um, LinkedIn okay. Learning has a huge catalog of, of courses, self, you know, videos, uh, um, just tons of content and, and it's all self-paced is what I was getting at, right? All self-paced when you have time, you know, if you want to learn more about virtualization or VMware or networking, there's really, really good courses out there. So, you know, we're in a day and age where you can find information any which way you want it. There's in multiple platforms. So I guess my recommendation to anybody is, you know, you learn every single day you know, and you, there's information out there to, to teach yourself and, and to brush up your skills and, and your knowledge. Cool. Um, yeah. Is there an area of technology personally or for work that you're interested in learning more about or exploring? Yeah, you know, I'm going to continue my wireless, um, you know, uh, track. So, you know, Wi-Fi has come a long way, right? Yeah. Since started and I definitely need to brush up those skills as well. And even in, in the medical industry, everything is becoming wireless, right? <clears throat> the ease of, of, of servicing and you know taking care of patients, <clears throat> everything is becoming wireless. So I definitely want to focus more on that. Neat. And 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 you're right. There's and and maybe <laughs> maybe sometime in the in the future we could talk more just about wireless because I think there's so much you could share with the students that you know, it's above and beyond what we, we have time to cover in classes because wireless is so big. Um, but we'll talk about that maybe in the future. Sure. What would you like to be doing five to 10 years from now? Five to 10 years from now, great question. Um, continuing what I'm doing with our team, um, maybe even moving into um, a, a role above where I'm at now that manages our whole network design and integration team, uh, healthcare digital services, about 160 people, um, because it touches multiple technologies and it's just a great, wonderful team. So I'd be happy where I'm at right now. Um, and if I had the opportunity to, uh, to move into that role, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be totally fine with that as well. Um, but I love the healthcare environment and knowing that, I'm, that me and the team, you know, we're, we're helping patients indirectly, right? There's hopefully making some, uh, some, some results, right? And saving having those lives. clinicians focus on those patients. So Save, yeah. saving lives, that's for sure. So I, don't, I don't want to change industries whatsoever. And lastly, if you could retire today and do anything you want, what would you do? 
Oh my goodness. Uh, what would I do? I would probably still work in some form of fashion, but but maybe very uh, low hours and uh, maybe restore classic cars, right? Get into that kind of hobby and it could be a, a could be a hobby that makes some money as well, right? So um, yeah, I think that's probably what I would do and, and travel. Uh, my wife and I definitely like to take, uh, you know, car trips with our family. Um, we have this uh, thought of, you know, just doing more traveling, going to see national parks. We've been on a lot of trips already and I would definitely love to continue that. Awesome. Jim, it's one o'clock. Thank you so much for taking your time today. Um, this has been really, really informative and uh, really nice talking to you. I appreciate it. And, and like I said, I might I might email you in the future to see if you'd talk more about some specific technical stuff or a different class. Thank you for the opportunity. Please stay in touch. It's uh, glad to be, I'm happy to be on. Thank you.